Hey guys, and welcome back to the Penny to Pounds podcast with your host Kia. This is a podcast where we aim to dispel your myths, simplify difficult financial jargon and rectify your own personal problems. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you've had a great weekend. And I am here to bring some freshness to your Monday morning as we talk about a very interesting topic that I get all the time through Penny to Pounds. It's about investing, but not just investing in the stock market, stocks and shares. We're going to talk about property because people, I get this all the time. So to help me answer some of your questions, I have got an amazing guest with me. Guest, who are you? Well, my name's Ibrahim. Whoop, whoop. Shall I say my full name? Like, go I for feel, it, go I on. feel like it's a bit formal, like, do you know what I mean? Go on. Um, Ibrahim Brahma. So yeah, I'm a property investor. I invest in property. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a public speaker. But yeah, that's 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 me really. I don't You're an all-rounder. Into, yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's 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 pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Amazing. So you mentioned that you're a property investor. Yes. So how did you start that journey? Because I've spoken to people who say I invest in property and I speak to people and like, but how do I start? What does yeah. that look like? So what was your journey into that? My journey actually is pretty much goes back to my story in terms of like my connection to property. Cause um, you know, I moved to the UK when I was 14. Mm-hmm. But growing up in Nigeria, we were poor. Right, and I always just connected wealth to property because you know the thing with Nigeria is it allows you. You can see like people can rob wealth in your face, like it's mm. literally there. You can be really, really poor, but someone just around the corner has got a mansion. Wow! And I'll be walking to the shops, you know, bare feet, all of that, and I'll be seeing people. I remember one time I saw you know this guy driving up to his house, and he pressed the button from his car, and his the gate opened to let him in. I Crazy. said, "Raw." Do you know how rich you have to be to be able to do that? Like, this was just the image in my head. And in Nigeria, people think you've got big houses here. You haven't. Mm-hmm. Like, in Nigeria, you've got big houses. Like, you build your own houses, right? So, like, I've just always had that connection with property and wealth. I moved to the UK when I was 14. You know, one way or the other, I found myself on the streets homeless, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, there for, you know, just a couple years, a little bit longer than that. There's something with being homeless and just having that need to have a roof over your head, Right? And, you know, I went through a journey. I don't want to go too long into it. We might get there again. But, you know, I went through a journey from, you know, that homelessness to, you know, getting myself to uni, you know, coming out. And just that attachment to property. Mm. Like, I wanted to get into property. I didn't have any experience, but I just went down the high street, you know, with my CV after uni. Not completely uni. I dropped out of uni because I went to uni in 08. You okay. Know, I don't okay. know if you know what happened yeah. in 08. Yeah, but you, you tell us what happened in 08. What happened in 08? There was something called a big financial crisis. Yeah. You yeah. know, global crisis. And now I'm doing business studies. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> you already know. Yes, I'm sitting there thinking, listen, bro, like, just go do some business. Like, this studying thing and the way the economy is looking is not going too good. So I dropped out and I wanted to do property. So with no experience at all, I picked up my CV and I went around to every single estate agent on the high street. You know, and one after the other, they all said, no, 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 no. But this is what I mean when people talk about, you know, um, they're self-made. Mm-hmm. Like, it gets to my nerves. Why? Because for me, like I understand, so, you know, first of all, talking about the homelessness, right? I remember there was this particular night, you know, I'm, I'm in this garage, right? It's normal, typical, it's like, you know, rubbish, bags, boxes, all that sort of nonsense in there, right? And you just got my duvet, my cardboard box on the floor. That's where, that's, like, that's my home. Hmm. But on this night, it was just mad cold, raining, everything, right? But there's a little crack just below um, the door, right? And the floor of this garage. And this night is blowing in the wind. The wind is blowing in the rain, right? My duvet's getting wet. I'm sitting there, I'm feeling embarrassed, I'm ashamed. I've always known I've had this ability. I've always known I could achieve whatever I wanted to achieve. But, you know, ultimately, everything I'd done in my life up to that point had gotten me to where I was, right? And I'm homeless. But that night, I said to myself, like, this, this ain't going to be my life. 
Right? Wow, that was the night that you that decided. That night, I said, this is not going to be my life. And I said, you know what? Done with the pride. You've got to ask for help. And this was the first time ever in my life that I actually asked anyone for help. Wow. Right? What age were you, by the way? 20, going on 21. Okay. This is October and I'm a November baby, right? And there was always been one teacher at school who, it doesn't matter all the madness I was doing. This is my history teacher. History and English were two of my favorite subjects, right? Mm -hmm. Hence why I can talk because you just, <laughs> whatever rubbish you want to write, as long as you come back to argue, but you're good. You're good. So history and English have always been my two favorite subjects. Like, he just couldn't get it. And I could see that he was just so frustrated, but he would always be like, what are you doing? Like, you're so smart, you can do so much more. Um, so I knew that I knew that he would, well, I thought he would help. So I reached out to him the very next day. And he didn't let me down. He helped me. Just under two years from that day, I was at uni, right? And then, so, so for example, so when people talking about being self-made, I can say, I used to be homeless, mm -hmm. and I look what I'm doing, rare. Like, but hang on, what about Mr. Adams? Right. You have to get help. Do, 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 do you see what I'm saying? This... As I'm handing out my CVs, everyone's saying, no, I walk into another, another estate agency. It's a, it's a franchise. It's Belvoir. I never normally say the name, but I don't know why they said it then. But it's a Belvoir franchise. This guy's new. Mm -hmm. He told me, look, I can't offer you a job. But he spent 30 minutes with me. Don't know me. White Irish guy. Doesn't know me. Spent 30 minutes with me and told me everything that I was saying wrong. Mm -hmm. You're saying this wrong. You sound cocky here. You don't use handling. And, and it's because I, I was... I was speaking with confidence, but obviously out of ignorance, mm -hmm. right? Because I knew I could do the job. I knew I could do it. I believed I had the ability to do the job. You know, I love property. I've been watching Homes and the Hammer. I'm just thinking these people are stupid. I could do it. You think you can do this stuff, right? But the way it was being portrayed wasn't the right way that was going to get me the job. Right. Right? So he sat me down and really ironed all that out. The next estate I went into, I got the job. That's right? crazy. Incredible. And this was also the largest franchise in the UK. At the wow. time. So I've got this job now. So for me, it's like, am I self-made? What about him? Mm -hmm. And I don't care who you are. There's been people along the journey who have helped you get there. Like, don't spit in these people's faces just because you want to make it seem like you've done things by yourself. You know, but that's really where, you know, the property journey started. And obviously, you know, you start, you know, making money. You know, I worked my way up to when I was working for, you know, the largest property investment firm in the city. And, and that's pretty where, pretty much where my journey started because you're seeing people investing in property. You're, you're helping these people invest in property and make a huge amount of money, build their portfolio. So that, that attraction and that, you know, that um, excitement to want to do something for yourself kicks in as well. That's incredible. I think your story is so inspirational because there were people listening and watching who have gone through hard times and perhaps feel like that does define them. Yeah. But hearing your story that you went from homeless to owning homes... And doing so well for yourself now is just a testament to you and what you've managed to do. And obviously you've had help along the way, but again, it's you who's got yourself to that point. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Amazing Thank to you hear your much. story. Let's get into investment properties now. So for someone who has said, right, I'm ready to start and get my first investment property. What are some things that people should consider when they're looking to begin that investment journey for themselves. This is probably where your bag is, right? Yeah. Like you've got to prepare. Yes, like of course. You've got, like you've got to prepare way before that property even comes. Like your, you know, your credits, your financing, savings, all these sort of things. Like be smart, right? In terms of things like ISAs and all that sort of thing, where you can actually save, you know, but it's almost like someone giving you free money as well. Yes. So it depends how quickly you want to do it. But I'm not going to talk about all of that because I'm sure your audience probably already, you know, they've got a good idea on that. What I would say, first of all, is, there's a lot of different ways to invest in property. You've got to understand what is my goal. That's got to be the first thing. What do I actually want to achieve in property? You know, some people want to build wealth for the future and they want to hold on to assets for 
five, 10, 15, 20 years, actually just pass it on to the kids. Some people want to do it for legacy. That's cool. That's your goal. That's fine. You understand that. Some people actually want to replace their income. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to replace their income. A lot of people want that. <laughs> right? So if that's what you want to do, then you're going to be looking at a different strategy from the person that wants to hold for you know, 20, 30 years and then pass it on to the kids. And there's a lot of different strategies that can help you achieve both. Mm-hmm. So what's your goal? That's the first thing. Once you understand what your goal is, then you can start reverse engineering it. Okay, well, cool. What strategies are going to get me there quicker? So let's say you're looking for cash flow, for example, you know, something that, you know, my business does, which is on Airbnb management. You can say, well, I can actually manage properties for people as Airbnbs and make a lot of money doing it. And that's going to be cash flow coming in every single month. You know, I can then start to buy my own properties and use them for Airbnbs, even bigger cash flow. You know, so that's going to be something that brings you cash flow. If you want to hold assets, you might say, okay, hang on. I want to do buy-to-let. But again, you know, if we're looking at the current economic climate, with the buy-to-let numbers, do they really work? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But because I've done, you know, this, you know, service accommodation strategy, I understand it a little bit. I know, well, actually, I can buy this property, but instead of just renting it out to a tenant, I can use this as service accommodation and make more money. So it's, it's really about understanding what your goals are and then understanding what are the different options in the marketplace that can help you achieve your goal. And learning, like, I'll be honest with you, look, I come from this industry, this coaching and training industry. I used to work for, you know, I probably said it was the second largest property education company in the UK. You know, I was, a, I was a mentor within the academy. You know, I've literally seen and mentored hundreds of students. But the truth is, there is this negative connotation. There is this negative stigma where people are coming in, investing, you know, they're spending a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting anything back in return. So I do get that. So you do have to be cautious in terms of how you research, you know, the people that you want to work with who are going to coach you. But I'm a massive proponent for, you know, for mentorship and for education Mm -hmm. because success leaves clues. And if someone has done the things that you want to do already, like go and seek out a person, learn from them. So you understand, okay, I'm going on this journey now. At least it's not that there are not going to be any mistakes, but you're going to know how to mitigate those mistakes and how to actually navigate around them if you've got some guidance, right? So that, that's definitely what I'll say to someone who's thinking about starting a property. I want to just circle back to a few things that you mentioned. Yeah. So buy to let. For anyone who's listening and has no idea what that is, could you explain us? Explain to us yeah. what buy to let is? I'm using these property jargons. <laughs> you are. You threw a couple in there, so we're going to try and Demystify break those down. Them, yeah? exactly. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks for pointing that out. So I'm going to hopefully try and, you know, uh, not, not use jargons now. Buy to let is basically investing. So you can buy a property to live in for yourself. Mm-hmm. But buy to let means you're buying the property to rent it out. You're buying the property with the intention of making money from it. It's an investment property. So when I'm talking about the numbers not working at the moment is you've got to imagine, you know, everyone keeps hearing about interest rates are going up, interest rates are going up. What does it actually mean? Let me try and break it down a little bit. If we just rewind back to last year, the base rate from the Bank of England. So if people understand how finance works, you know, the Bank of England, like a central bank, mm-hmm. And they have a rate in which they lend money to the banks. So the, so let's say the bank wants to borrow £100. The Bank of England last year, the interest that they were putting on top of that was 0.1%. Let's just call it zero. Mm-hmm. That was 0.1%. Let's call it zero. They're basically getting free money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we were able to borrow from the bank. So let's say mortgages are like 1.25, 1.5, 1.75%. This is great. Now, obviously last week it just went up again by a quarter. So now the base rate, so this is what the Bank of England are lending money at, is 4.25%. Wow, that's a massive difference. From 0.1. So if that's what they're lending money at from, what the are The banks they? are going to be ridiculous. Jeez, so I'm saying, so this is what people are concerned about at the moment. You know, so you, you need to really kind of understand that. So when I say the numbers don't work anymore, it's, okay, well, you can't quadruple your rent. 
You can't start asking me for four times the rent because mm. guess what? There's also a cost of living crisis. Mm. So how am I going to pay that rent? So that's what I mean about the numbers not quite working anymore because your mortgage have gone up. The rent is still the same. So now what landlords are saying, well, now I've got to collect rent and I've got to dip into my pocket yeah. to, you know, to, to, to balance off what I've got to pay for a mortgage. So it's a bit more difficult. How do I make more money? Mm. So that's what, so understanding different strategies in the marketplace, I can say, well, Hey, Mr. Landlord, and this is what my business does now. This is why I started this business, because sometimes different strategies work for different periods in the market as well. That's another thing to understand. So if you want to get into property, as well as understanding what's your goal and what's your strategy, say, what's the marketplace like? Because that can also determine which strategy is going to work best. Right? So there is a few different factors, and that's why, again, it comes to education, right? You just got, listen, you don't care how much money you think you got. That money can go real quick go. from one mistake. You also mentioned service accommodation. Yeah. What is that for anyone who doesn't know? And uh, I'm glad you asked that question. This is something that I'm also trying to demystify personally in the industry. So I, I'm, I'm actually a coach, right? So I coach people on how to do exactly what I'm doing in my business. And I don't like that word either. What, what, what is service accommodation? accommodation? Like, what, like, it doesn't mean all these coaches come up with this nonsense and then people are confused. Mm-hmm. So when I'm at the networking, so when I also first started in the industry, and I'm at the networking, I'm saying service accommodation, no one knows what I'm talking about. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this service accommodation stuff. You're not Airbnb, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's Airbnbs. Okay. We manage Airbnbs for landlords. Okay. But we manage the properties, but instead of just managing like a traditional estate agent would, we're managing them as Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. So the landlord now is generating three to four times more revenue from the same property because we're charging on a night per night basis. When you go Airbnb, how much are you paying? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. It's so expensive. This is it. This is it. You're charging on a per night basis. Yeah. But it's actually huge value for money. You know, mm. someone like you, you know, with all your big pocket, you can go there, you can go there and burn it you know, by yourself, right? Yeah. But if you're going with family, now all of a sudden, instead of me booking out two or three different hotel rooms, we're all staying in an apartment. We've all got our own room. So even though it might be more expensive, it's actually more cost effective. Right? Right. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And also, just think about from a cool press standpoint. If I've got a team going to a location, I can have this team in three different hotel rooms, or I can have them in one property where they actually feel like, oh my God, like they're looking after us. They've got us in a proper apartment. It's got fridge. It's got kitchen. We can cook. We can come, come and go as we please. But also from an efficiency standpoint, you've got all your team. They've gone into work. Now they've come back. They're going to be talking work. Yep. Right, it's yeah. going to be more productive, more efficient. So that's why, from the corporate standpoint, corporates are actually a huge, you know, market for really us. for Airbnbs and hundred percent, a hundred percent. A lot of Airbnbs, you know, was driving the market in the right locations are corporates. That's very, I did not know that. Yeah, that is yeah, very yeah. interesting. But it makes total sense when you explain like that. Put everyone under one roof. They want to work anyway because that's what we're here for. You don't have to, you know, because sometimes what happens with corporates when you send stuff and when you put them in hotels, you have to give a budget for dinner mm-hmm. because they got this, you know, the bars and yeah. you can't just go. But now they're in an apartment. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're at home. Yeah, you can just go cook. cook your own food. Yeah. yeah? It's yeah. no different. I want to talk about some strategies now. Let's yes. get a bit more into it. So you've mentioned it depends on your goals. Yeah. Let's say there's someone who's come to you and they're young but they want to get started in property. Yeah. However, capital is not on their side. They haven't got a huge amount of funds to get yeah. started. Is there any way that someone with minimal or pretty much no money can get started in property? I've got to remember where I'm coming from. I used to be homeless, as I mentioned, right? And when I was working for this company I spoke about, I'm seeing people come through the door. 80% of them look like you and me. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about color. I see people coming through. I've sold to people coming through and they put in six grand. 
14 grand, 30 grand at the top level. £30,000 for a year of mentorship. But at the end of it, they're coming out with... When I say nothing, I mean literally no deals. Zero deals. Like, it makes me sick. And my skill set actually lies with working with investors and helping them build a portfolio. That's the background I come from, like working in the city. But obviously, like you said, that, that person you're talking about there, they're not really at that level. I'm like, how can I help that person? Because I looked at myself and said, bro, you know, when you were homeless and you were trying to get your life back together, no one believed in you. You know, you didn't have good credit. No one was going to be your guarantor. You didn't have no money. How can, how can you help that person get started if they're trying to sort their life out? And that's when I started thinking about different strategies. I thought about this Airbnb thing, but the way the industry normally does Airbnb is they say rent to rent. That's typically what you hear, where you go out and you rent a property with the intention, obviously, of letting that landlord know that you're going to sublet it or rent it out to someone else to come in, whether it's through Airbnbs or through short-term letting or whatever. That's pretty much what we hear about all the time. Boom. Rent to rent. Rent to rent, rent to rent, rent to rent, rent to rent. It's a nonsense. Again, it's one of these strategies... Maybe there was some point five years ago where it was where it was it was it was the thing. Maybe, but for me, again, that doesn't help that guy. That doesn't help that girl that was in my position back then. Because guess what? You're renting a property from that landlord. You're guaranteeing that landlord the rent. So you got to have deposit. You got to have the first month's rent. You got to have a guarantor. You've got to have credit. What about the people who haven't got all this stuff? Mm. How do they get involved? Right. So that's the first thing. It's there's, there's that barrier to entry. Second thing is you're actually putting a barrier between you and the landlord for now. Mm-hmm. Because what you're saying to this landlord is, I'm going to guarantee your rent. Hang on. I've got a tenancy agreement in place. That rent is guaranteed. Because your guarantee is not based on insurance. Mm-hmm. It's not backed by anything except for your word. They've also guaranteed me by signing that contract just like you're going to sign. So there's no difference between you and the tenant. You're not offering me any more money. So why should I go with you? Or you're not going to get any void periods for that three years. Okay, maybe. That one's valid. Fair enough. But... Is that really that big a deal? Not really. It's not that sexy for the landlord. And this is the problem that a lot of people are facing in these industries and they're spending five, four in 30 grand to learn the strategy, but mm. actually they're not getting anything at the end of it. You know, so for me, what I said is, well, why don't you just manage the property for the landlord? Because if you're managing it for the landlord, there's no rent, there's no deposit, right? It's mm-hmm. not costing you anything. It don't matter about credit. It don't matter about guarantor. You're managing it for them and you're getting a percentage of what that revenue generates. Now, this revenue is generating four times what that property will normally generate. So even the percentage that you're getting is very similar to what you're going to get on a rent-to-rent deal. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you make five, six hundred pounds, maybe seven hundred pounds on a management. On a rent-to-rent, you make seven, eight, nine hundred pounds. But if it's going to take you a year maybe to get one or two deals... And it's taking my students now. I've, I've literally launched my coaching program five weeks ago. And I've got students now who have secured two deals. Mm. In the first couple of weeks, two deals. Another lady just messaged me today. She just secured a deal a couple of days ago. And she's going to pick up a keys to deal number two on Saturday. But hang on. That's in five weeks. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because we're making the landlord more money. We're saying we're going to manage this for you. You're going to make the money now. Now the landlords, they're hearing a different language. Now, I'm going to make more money. Guess what? I need more money right now because of the current economic climate, because I'm struggling. I'm having to dip into my own pocket. So you offer me more money. You're actually solving a problem mm. that I've got. Rent to rent doesn't solve that problem. We do. But on top of that, there's all of the legislative benefits that a lot of people don't know. You know, so when you're doing the management model, because it's that landlord's business, they actually get a lot of tax breaks and a lot of tax release for using the property as a short-term rental. Okay. It's called furnished holiday lets. So if, if you guys want to research it, FHL, furnished holiday lets. You know, so that's the legislative language that they use 
in, legislati- in legislation. So you're going to get, so section 24, I don't know if we, do you want me to start yeah, really getting yeah, into all of yeah, these? Yeah, Because I'm like, this is getting a bit technical. No, 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 it's good. Section 24, back in 2015, section 24 came in from the government. So before 2015, as a landlord or whatever it is, you could write off your mortgage payments as an expense on the business. Wow. Because it technically is, right? Yeah. Well, this is it. Well, it, well, it is. It's a bit of a blank, yeah. but it is. Yeah. You, know? Yeah. Yeah. you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. We like tax breaks, right? <laughs> but you could, you could do this any time. So it's an expense to my business because I'm having to pay this mortgage, right? Okay, cool. 2015 coming, government said, no, we're done with that. Because they wanted everyone to go limited. So they said, unless you're a limited company now, you can no longer write that mortgage off as an expense. Okay, cool. Easy. Just move to limited company. But it's not that easy. Because if you're moving from personal into a limited company, technically speaking, it's just paperwork. But realistically, you're selling that property to the limited mm, company, yes, yes, which means there's this. capital gains tax yes. that you have to pay. Yes. So now a lot of people look at it. So you've had the property for about 10, 15 years. You've you know, pretty much doubled in value. And now if you sell it, you're going to have to pay. You're tax. losing that money. So they're thinking, actually, now nah, we're just going to stick where we are. It's, it's hurting them, but they're sticking. Now we can say, well, actually... Because you're running your property as a furnished holiday there, Section 24 no longer applies to you. So guess what, Mr. Landlord? There's a few extra thousand pounds every single year that now goes into your pocket. Mm, All right? Okay. There's entrepreneur's relief, which means, you know, if you're going to, if you run your property as a furnished holiday there for a two-year period, when you go to sell, you actually get relief on the capital gains tax. Wow. Did not know that. This, this is what I'm saying. People are not talking about this stuff. Mm. People in the industry don't know this stuff. It's, it disgusts me because I'm sitting there thinking, surely some of these big trainers know this. But you know what? It's easier to sell rent to rent because you can tell someone, oh, you're going to make £1,000 off a property deal in three months. You're financially free. And all that mm. fucking nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to tell someone who's already got a job to make passive income and change their life. How do you go from having a job and you're going to make passive income without working in? Like, mm-hmm. how, please, someone, someone make that make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. But if you're trying to make something just sound very easy and very simple and you can make all this money, it sounds great. But actually, why don't you just tell them the truth? you got to put work in. you got to work hard. You know, but the reality is, if you do the management thing, you're providing value to the marketplace. They make more money, you make more money, but you can scale quicker. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing one deal in a year or two deals in a year, you can do 10, 15 deals in a year. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the massive difference. And then there's, there's EPC, you know, benefits. So for example, there's a new regulation that's come in. Every single landlord from 2025 if the property is not, so EPC is Energy Performance Certificate, mm-hmm. right? It's a way that your property is graded by the energy um, efficiency, right? So every single property has to be a grade C or above if they're going to rent it out. Okay. Now, on average, check this, typically landlords would make, because people think landlords are making a lot of money, typically landlords would make about two, three hundred pound profit a month. Mm-hmm. Let's say about three grand a year. On average, this EPC thing for landlords to bring the property up to a grade C is going to cost them eight thousand pounds that's a loss of five thousand pounds it's 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 mental because it's not like this is an investment it's not direct it's not like yeah put this in and you're gonna get this out it's like no we just need you to put this in so that's like three years worth of profit yeah it's completely written off how long is gonna get that money like, i don't know who comes up with this stuff but again if you're running your property as the furniture on the let that doesn't apply to you okay so there's all these solutions that we're actually solving for landlords that's why my students mm-hmm. are able to scale really quickly. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone sitting there saying, I've got no money, I've got no, like, but, but I want to do something, I say to them, are you willing to work? 
Mm-hmm. If you're willing to work and you're willing to listen and implement, then I can actually show you a strategy where you can go out there and start adding value to landlords, managing the properties for them as Airbnbs, and you can change your life. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so that's what I would say to that person who's starting off. That's amazing. You you gave so much value there. Like even I hadn't heard of some of those things that you mentioned. Like it's so useful. So thank you. When it comes to picking properties. Yeah. So we've had many conversations on this podcast with different people. And we also about location. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you, when it comes to choosing a property, mm-hmm. so whether you're choosing to manage a property for a landlord or you're looking to buy your first property, yeah. how important is location when it comes to property? Location is everything. Lo- lo- location is everything. Uh, unless you're looking to buy something to live. But you, but let's even take it down to that. So just, just so I can you know, get across the importance of location. If you're looking to buy somewhere to live, when your parents are looking to, you know, for example, my mom moved us from London to Cambridge. Mm. And after, when I first moved to the UK after two years, she's like, no, 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 no Right? That's location. Location, location, location. But that's why she did it. So it depends on what you're trying to achieve in property. You've always got to look at the location. But but the beauty about properties, I always say there's always micro locations. And it depends on what you're looking for. You know, so typically, for example, if you're looking at the, the Airbnb model, you're looking for apartments in the city center, all of that. Because guess what? When you're staying away, you want to be around with the bars. Yeah, you want to easy be Easy transportation, central. easy link central, all of that. But that's not to say... You know, if you're looking for investments in that city, what are the, I always say, like, what are the factors that are bringing people into a certain mm-hmm. location? So let's look at Manchester, for example, because we did a lot of work in Manchester when I was working for the firm in the city, right? And it was because we had this media city now, we had all of these investments coming into Manchester. Actually, there was a lot of brain drain coming from London mm. into Manchester because they were still paying the same income they were paying in London, but they were just saying, come to Manchester, we need you, Manchester. So you had all these new people coming into Manchester, but what if I've got family? Mm-hmm. I don't want my family in a central location. I want my family a little bit out of town. We've got a nice house. We've got a garden. We don't want an apartment. I've got a little girl. I've got a little boy. They want to run around the garden. So it's not necessarily just thinking, oh, if, if, if the central is not buzzing, it's understanding what, what is the demographic. So if I'm going to invest in this location, it's a property that's not quite in the central location. I say, okay, cool. Like, what's, what's going to make people come to this location? Mm-hmm. Are there families that are going to be in this location? If there are, then fine, I'll buy that property that's outside. Because you know what? I know there's demand for family homes in that area. Mm-hmm. But that only comes from research. Like, I always say to people, like, no one wants to do this. But you can never, ever be lazy in research when it comes to property. Everything is done in the research when it comes to property. E- essentially, location is very, very important. But different um, results to get back from the research would determine how you how choose where think, you're going to how you choose where you're going to go to depending on what you want to invest yeah. in because some people might not want to invest in property because they actually prefer families mm-hmm. so in that case you're not going to invest centrally yeah. so so location yes but there's also micro locations within every location I agree with you because I think as you was talking I think back to some of the Airbnbs that I've stayed in mm-hmm. for example this year for my birthday I decided I want to go and I wanted a retreat mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in <laughs> the busy centre I wanted to be out and I picked an Airbnb that was in Kent, actually, but yeah. near near the beach. So it was a very quiet town. Nice. Very quiet. But that was a great location for me because that was the purpose of me picking that property. So I think, like you said, it all depends on what your aim is when you actually go to invest that property. Absolutely. So before we round up, I want to ask you, 
when it comes to investing in property, what are some of the common mistakes that you see people make that we obviously want to tell the listeners that yeah. need to avoid if they want to go down that path? Okay, if you want to go down the buying path, um, the, the common mistake is really understanding the numbers. And when I said numbers, I mean, what are all of the numbers involved in actually buying that property? Because mm. people just think about a deposit. There's a lot more than that. A lot more than that. You're not thinking about the fees. You're not thinking about, okay, cool. Is the property going to need work? Because if I've got this amount of money and it's going to be a deposit for this type of property, but this type of property in this location, what is it going to get? Is it going to be a brand new clean property? Maybe I can't afford that. So I need to put a little bit aside to do a little bit of refund that I need doing. I need to put a little bit aside for the fees, you know, the brokers, the solicitors, like all of these fees, right? So there's, there's things around. You need to understand what is everything holistically. What's everything going to charge me? You know, depending on what level you're coming into as well. So if you're going to be buying property over £125,000, you know, then you go to pay stamp duty as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so you go factoring the stamp duty cost into this property. So there's a lot to think about. You need to understand all of the numbers. Again, speak to your professionals. You know, speak to your accountant. Speak to your mortgage broker. Speak to your solicitors. You know, these people are working for you and they'll be able to give you the information and don't necessarily have to pay them to start with. If they think you're serious and you actually want to buy a property, then they're going to be willing to work with you and help you and give you the numbers because it benefits them. Because ultimately, when you get to the completion, then they're going to benefit anyway, mm-hmm. right? So you can just get advice for these people. They will typically give you for free. Don't take the piss. Mm-hmm. Right? These people are professionals, right? Um, but seek advice, seek information. And those are probably the best people to ask for. I think I think the key thing is making sure you know the numbers before you go into it. You have dropped so many gems on this podcast for anyone listening and watching who wants to find out more about you your coaching what you've got going on and just keep up to date with what you do where can they find you i mean i'm on instagram tiktok tiktok i just jumped on lemonade because of you today (laughs) so lemonade when we're watching this back in two years, it's going to be like, oh, that guy was so quick on this lemonade. Yeah, because you know? of me though, because of me, because of me. Uh, but yeah, so it's Ibrahim Bramawolf. Instagram would be, you know, the, the main place to look. But if you go to my Instagram, you look at my bio, there's a link in there where you can jump into my free Facebook group, you know, just so you can start understanding a little bit. I do a live in there every single day. You know, just Every day? It, every single day I do a live in the group because it, look, it's about building the community. Like genuinely, the reason why I vacated out of a place is because I thought this ain't right. You know, and I want to do things different. I want to build, you know, probably the largest coaching company in the UK. Because I genuinely feel, first of all, the strategies, right? But second of all, like, if you just help people get results, they're going to tell people, mm-hmm. and then more people are going to want to come. I want to start helping people who want to get into property who look like me actually get results. When they invest, there should be a return on that investment. And right now, you know, I think it's disproportionate the amount of people who are investing to the amount of people who are actually getting results. So that's what I want to do. So yeah, I do a live in there every single day. You know, but if you want to work closer with me, then I'll click a link, book a call, consultation call. We'll have a chance to make sure the right fit. Because I don't want people coming in who are not going to do the work. Because guess what? They're not going to get the results and I'm not going to get the referrals. So yes. That's what it is. It's important. Ibrahim, you have been incredible. Thank you so much. Honestly, thank you for gracing the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. This was really cool. And everyone, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Bye, guys.